Welcome. It's episode 32 of This Is Not a Rebuild and the push straight forward to the World Series. World Series or bust is back on because the Cubs have won two games in a row oh, for the mama. first time in about three weeks. <laughs> I am Matt Trueblood. We've got three of the big four here so far. Tom Nurse. 1899 Spiders. 1962 Mets, 2023 Oakland A's. Yeah, but not the 2023 Chicago Cubs. So, phew, bullet dodged. That's their problem. All right. Todd Trueblood's here too. I am here, and I have no idea what that means. The 1899 Spiders, famously the worst team ever, ever, ever. Uh, ever. Uh, In a way that would be actually impossible now but the a's are really testing it aren't They're they 10, 10 and 40, 40 as we 10 speak and 40 yeah. yeah unbelievable yeah uh and by the way thank goodness that they are because the 22 and 26 cubs would be 19 and 26 if not for sweeping that series in oakland oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i look back, back at that series a lot like thank goodness do we play them again no um no yeah, <laughs> too bad we are done with the a's uh we might you guys might yet have a DJ Fox sighting before this episode is out, but for now... That's good, because I'm really excited about... This is uh, number 32, and I'm hoping DJ comes in, because it's a big day for him. This oh. is a big day. Episode 32 is a big day for DJ Fox. I don't remember DJ scalding Eric Karos takes, but I look forward to hearing Stretch that. it out, Todd. Yeah. DJ's going to be here any second. I, I, it's, stretching it, it out. Well, okay, so we'll 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 dance around that for a second and talk about uh, – okay, so, you know, it's, it's number 32, which most of us um, might think of as the uh, – maybe the John Lieber uh, episode. Whoa. Um, because John was number 32. I like John Lieber. You guys remember John Lieber, right? Oh yeah, um, it seems to be a number that uh, not a lot of people are get excited about. I mean, nobody, nobody really all that great uh, wears number thirty-two. Danny Jackson wore it, but you know he's Hector Villanueva. I like that guy. Oh, I like that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, for us seventies boys, uh, Milt Pappas wore number thirty-two. Was oh, that right? Okay. Yeah. Um, but. There's a famous person that the Cubs traded away that wore number 32. Or no, I'm sorry. They 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 traded someone famous for this person. That's what I'm trying to say. And this person wore number 32 for the Cubs. Any guesses? Uh, was it for Lou Brock? It was. Uh, so it, it was that pitcher. Who is that, Matt? It's uh, Brolio. Yeah. Brolio. Yeah. Wore number 32 for... For three years. Yeah, two of those pitchers you named have thrown no hitters, Todd. Uh, Brolio and oh yeah, Pappas. Uh, Pappas and uh, I don't think Brolio, but the other guy. No. Uh, Lieber? Uh, Lieber. Yeah, didn't Lieber throw no hitter? No, I don't know. Mm, Did he? Possibly not for the Cubs, but he. Oh. He and Woody, I believe, in two thousand one. Although I could have that year wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was 01. They had back to back one hitters. 
which oh. was a big deal at, at the time. Um, that was a big deal. Yeah. And he won. He was the first guy after they let Greg Maddox walk who won 20 games for them in that 2001 season. Um, kind of ran out of steam down the stretch, but yeah, John Lieber was a good 32. And we I have like to him. mention uh, Sandy Koufax. I know he's not sure. a cop, but he's he one of my all-time favorites. Hey, look, we stalled hey. long enough to introduce DJ Fox like he was there he here is. the whole time. Oh, DJ yes. Fox, ladies and look gentlemen. at that. Can he took a nap and then he never woke up. No, yeah. I... Oh, God. I had golf league, and then we had a dinner, and then we got back, and we were like, let's go walk the dogs. And then I, you know, didn't look at my phone for 20 minutes, and I came back, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. So, That's I mean, right. we, we we drug out the whole this is number 32 thing, just milked it for everything it was worth, just because this is a big day for David J. Fox. And that is... Because today, episode number 32, you might refer to as the LaTroy Hawkins episode. Oh, God. I probably would. I probably would. Every, you have every a random deep... cub we've had during the life of this podcast who was a reliever, your first <laughs> guest was LaTroy Hawkins. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's true. With, it, with derision in your voice, too. It starts with Hawkins, then Farnsworth, then Alfonseca. Yeah. You go through it all. <laughs> Can I make a case that Latroy Hawkins might be the quintessential Chicago Cub in the following way? You can try. You could try it. I don't think he's going to do it. <laughs> they brought him in really convinced that he was one of the sort of uh, capstone pieces of a championship caliber roster. And then that team missed the playoffs. So that's how far they were from being right about that. Uh, two, he was from Gary, Indiana, should have been a really touching homecoming. And instead, he was frequently booed. Uh, we'll still tell you to this day about uh, racial taunts that he heard from the bleachers and from the DJ behind the bullpen. I mean, we can't confirm that. I'm not sure DJ hit Ben to Wrigley Field as of 2004. Uh, so he's off the hook there. Okay. And three, he had a long and highly respected career. Uh of which his one season in Chicago was the unarguable Nader. It was just, it was his, it was his one bad year in two decades in the major leagues. He was bad. I think that... <laughs> yeah, he was bad. I know it's beside your point, Matt, but wow. I just, that was, and I guess I didn't realize the racial taunts were, were ongoing. Yeah. I mean, it, look, one, ugly thing about sports fans is that they will tend to deploy that language just to tell you that they're mad that you're not helping their team win yeah yeah um, like, or to try and get in your head if you're a visiting player neither of those things is remotely okay and it's just blindingly stupid to to behave that way but people do it and that's why you'll hear the same stories from jack jones and milton bradley who played even more recently at Wrigley than did Latroy Hawkins. So uh, I, by no means is Wrigley, does, do they have the reputation of being the worst in the league? Um, but I'd love to have the reputation of being the best at not having that kind of fan behavior going on. And unfortunately, 
The Cubs don't. Um, but anyway, yeah, Latroy Hawkins wore 32. Did Tom Gorzolani wear 32 at some he point? He did. Too? He did, yes. Tom. Well, that makes up for it, in my opinion. Love Tom. <laughs> Tom Terrific, they called him. Yeah, that he was the first pitcher in baseball history who, who earned that nickname. So uh okay, uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> don't, I actually don't did like him. I actually did like him, and I feel like he's probably about as effective as Merriweather, and I don't like him. So <laughs> no, he um probably not fair. They traded for Tom Gorzolani from the Pirates at the trade deadline in 2009. And I really liked that half of that trade. And we will not talk about the other half of that trade right now because my blood pressure is doing well at the moment. Yeah. And we don't need <laughs> to change that. <laughs> John Grabo. Anyway. <laughs> Anywho. Only oh, I got to look up Grabo's number now. It's 43. Don't You don't have to look oh, up anything. Oh, it's coming at you, Matt. <laughs> Here it comes. Not, we're nine away. It almost so feels quick... like we it almost feels like we had him for 43 years too. I have a quick if aside. Jim Henry for, hadn't uh, been fired, we would have. <laughs> for uniform numbers. So I, I looked these up, right? Obviously, because I don't know all these things. Um and so I always start at the beginning and it starts with Cub uniform number zero. And I just glance past it usually because we're we've we're well past that. Um currently Marcus Stroman, right? But I did yeah. not know, and I do not remember, in 2020, someone wore number zero named Ian Miller. I didn't, <laughs> I had, oh, it's God. like a, I oh, must have God. blocked it out or something. There was another Ian? Just scratch off a future random cub idea that I had. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. Note to self. Yeah. No one was going to get that one anyway. Uh, so this is a, that's a great uh transition point though because okay cool look at that i didn't even number zero marcus stroman shoved tonight yeah Uh, and really where even though he laid an egg on mother's day against the twins other than that where would the cubs be during this latest brutal stretch without stro their only win uh between (laughs) their only win between friday like two fridays ago in minnesota and the start of this homestand was their Friday night win in Philadelphia when Stroman pitched really well. And then he comes out tonight against the Mets and gives up two runs over eight innings. Oh, uh, wow. He's making shortstop, like Jeter-like jump throws on comebackers to the mound just that was basically pretty. for fun. Yeah. Uh, and he's coming off the mound stomping and clapping and pumping up the crowd. What's he, oh, was he taunting the uh, the other dugout, though? I couldn't really tell. All I saw was a replay, and it, he was – Yeah. I don't, he, know if he's, I don't know if he's pointing at them or what he was doing, but, I mean, he was pumped was up. That was to close out the eighth, right? Uh, maybe. All yeah, I saw there was, was a, a replay, so. A double think, play they turned, and he had his body angled that way, but I think he was celebrating with Matt Mervis, but I couldn't okay. tell for sure. Um, sure. But, yeah, I – when Stroh is going well, and especially when he gets a big double play to end an inning, it's that's uh, one of those experiences, man. That's DJ's boy, Stroman. Yeah, he's electric. He was pumped when we acquired him. Yeah, he he is electric. But Tom, not as electric as who closed out the game today. <laughs> I don't uh, know. The light lighter. show. Lighter, yeah. Oh, the light show. <laughs> the light show. 
another one of your favorites. Actually, yep. you would like the light show better if he was more of a light show, but he was a light show tonight. And okay, yes. but here's the thing. He closed out the game. He, he slid in for one night to the closer's role, which meant the light show did give way to a light show because now yeah. at Wrigley with those new lights, oh, they yeah. whoop them and turn them off and on when the Cubs win the game. So now light we show have... got a light show. We have Stroman, who you just talked about. We have like a couple other guys. And then it's pretty much the Iowa Cubs out there these days, which I'm fine with. But um, that's kind of interesting how they're just kind of you got Talkman out there. I don't even know if he's Iowa. I think he might have come up from, you know, single A or something or, <laughs> or you know, municipal ball or something. But uh, he's like he's like 36 years old. It's, still new to yeah. the Cubs. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but can we can we talk about Morell? Or maybe we're not allowed to. I don't know. No, I, we're allowed. Somebody yeah. get the well, contract. Somebody get the bylaws. I mean, he only <laughs> he only went one for four today and he didn't hit a yeah. homer. So, yeah. You know, so, okay. So now let's we talk can't about jinx him. So let's talk. So he's he's cooled. The guy's got a 13 game hitting streak, right? 13 for 13, 13 hits in 13 games. And he's, wow. he's only hitting like 350, which often, you know, if you have a 13 game hitting streak, you're hitting like, you know, 420 or something, you know. So he's he's only hitting 350 on a 13 game hitting streak. And they're all home runs, basically. I think <laughs> he's got a couple of singles there, maybe an odd double. What a what a run! Did he score yeah. a run tonight? I don't he think did he not. did. He did not because he had twelve games of scoring a run too. But yeah. um, what a run this guy is on! My Tom, gosh. I know you. I know you like ops, and his ops is pretty good. Well, he's is, staying above thirteen hundred, which is yep. pretty darn good, as you said. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just like you know if the guy could ops a thousand, you know, obviously he's going to cool off. But I'm like, he's got a pad there. Yeah, he can go down 300 points, you know? I yeah. mean, wow, what a start. And, you know, Matt, you point out, I didn't realize he was so, um, he hit so many home runs last year. I just think yeah. of him kind of screwing up and kind of looking lost, but the guy's home run happy. Anybody, jump in. He, he yeah, went well, in a he's... couple of long slumps in the second half, but the tools were there, man. I mean, from his first at bat last year when he hit that full count homer, um, yeah. The power is goofy. He's not just hitting wall scrapers. He's hitting oh, moonshots. Yeah. 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 And but and and all of this is happening and he still doesn't really have a position. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Although that too, it's like that's not at at this point, I can comfortably say that's not uh bad luck. Like, oh poor Chris, he hasn't gotten a chance to find a position. If he were playing really good defense in center field or at third base, he'd just be there every day. They're moving him around. They're using him at DH because the defense part is not clicking so far. But that's okay. Like, that's okay. Hit you know, like you're going to do this, and <laughs> you'll make room for the, the bat in the lineup. Um, yeah, it's not ni not 1984. There's, uh, there's a DH now, so you can bat every day if you want. Thank goodness for the DH tonight, too. I don't know. Yeah, probably would have, but I don't know for sure that Stroman gets to go eight innings if the DH isn't there. So yeah, could be a fun right. night for modern baseball. Um, Morrell, and there was and a... the Cubs are now ahead again of the MHMHC, the much hated, much hated Cardinals. Wow, one game, one I game. Don't care. That humongous, I don't care. 
they'd opened up like a seven game lead and it it all got wiped away because for yeah. a month for a calendar month the cubs were the worst team in baseball and the cardinals were the best uh but look it's fine they're now they're back in the lead and maybe you can just hold them off um yeah i don't know but tonight yeah. Tonight, the Cardinals lost 10-3 to to nice. the high-powered Cincinnati Reds. Nice. Well, Thank you, I Susie. love it. The thing is, they've got this <clears throat> questionable new uh, catcher that they've installed defensively, um, who I, I just don't know if he's going to be able to keep runs William, off. William Wilson, that. something. I don't yeah, know. something yeah. like that. Yeah. And I don't even know why they're trying to force that guy into the lineup because his OPS is down to like 685. <laughs> Love it. Are you talking about Andrew Kniser? Uh, I am not. God bless you. <laughs> he's, he's a little bit more expensive than Andrew Kisner for them. Um, yeah. It's... I didn't know they put him back at catcher. And oh, yes. It's... You missed that? Yeah. Yeah, it was about a week and then they brought him back and his... Yeah. They made this whole to-do massive curve. I mean, the the small solace I'm still taking because they went on this annoying hot streak and caught the Cubs because the Cubs also went on a cold streak. And it that was really grim. But boy, the Cardinals are still really making themselves look stupid on a day-to-day basis. So that's that's great. That's the best, isn't it? In a little bit of a way, yeah. Um Morel though. It's it's wild. People keep trying to find a good comparison for him. Someone that they that he reminds you of in like a a meaningful way. And a lot of the suggestions people are throwing out are just not landing with me. Um someone said Kinda Aramis looks like Ramirez, a... but like Rami was a much better pure hitter than Morel, right? Someone said Junior Lake, but that's way too mean. Christopher Morel has has much better <laughs> yeah, command of his good. tools than Junior Lake did, right? Um, what about Patterson or Soriano? I mean, Soriano is one that people have mentioned that I don't think is terrible, but Soriano also was a better pure hitter than Morel. And yeah, I mean, he was just, he was, he and Ramirez are players of a higher overall caliber and were from a young age than I think Chris Morrell is or can become. The one that I keep coming back to, watching just the monstrous power. Again, like 450-foot homers, but a lot of strikeouts. Shaky defense, but really good athleticism. A lot of energy. A lot of, you know, it just takes honing the approach that little bit, and he becomes lethal. I kind of like a young Sammy Sosa comparison for him. Which wow. doesn't mean I think he's going to hit 600 homers, but he's on pace. The fact that he's capable of a binge like this, you know, tells you that he's the elite power is there. The rest of the offensive profile is kind of shaky, but just like Sammy, it just took reining in everything else. This little bit or getting on the right side of the adjustment curve for a little while. And you know, because he can just hit the ball so far to all fields. I mean, yeah. the opposite field homers that we've seen, especially the one in Minnesota. Um, then he went to the third deck to the pole field in Minnesota, hit a ball that I haven't seen a Cub better hit one 
to that part of the park in Houston since Sammy Sosa. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's exciting. Yeah. To me, he looks a lot like a guy I went to college with, but that doesn't mean anything. Can I can I can I just uh I'm nurse get a in a, in a <laughs> <Nope>. slight non sequitur <laughs> here? Uh I wish I could take credit for this. This is Jerry Seinfeld, but Jerry Seinfeld says, Why is it in sports when you say this guy is like this, this, this? It's always the same race. You know, mm-hmm. like this guy is like he's a he's a young Hank Aaron, he's a young Willie Mays, you know, you never <laughs> Christopher Morrell, he's like a young Jimmy Fox. You know, someone can have the exact wind up a, a white guy as Juan Marichal. He looks exactly like him. And it's got to be, you know, oh, he's a young Ray Sadecki or something. It just, <laughs> I wonder why that is. I just think it's kind of funny. I mean, yeah, no, nobody's comparing Morrell to Ryan Terrio. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a total Ryan Terrio. That's, that's weird. <laughs> Part of it is casual racism, but I will make one point quick before we need to take a break to just say that in baseball part of your skill set by the time you reach the majors has been shaped by the developmental path you were put on which is shaped by the way that players are brought into professional baseball and the roster rules that apply to them once they are which are very different for kids from the Dominican versus even kids from Venezuela but certainly versus kids who are drafted out of high school or college domestically so a player like Chris Morrell probably wouldn't have this exact skill set when he got into his second year in the majors if he weren't Dominican. You know, so some of that is real, but it's still, yeah, it's something that. I'm going to put Matt over here now. All right, we are back. We're learning new Ooh. things about Zoom. And uh, we're, I think we hit the key points on Christopher Morrell, mm. but there's plenty more Cubs stuff to talk about. Very nice that they re- rebounded with two straight wins here. Uh, desperately needed. It was, it was really make or break time, right? Like the season they, is saved. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> and maybe not, but at least maybe you know, like there was a chance that if you get swept or even lose this series in a kind of ugly way that you start having to, uh, okay, what are the pieces that we might sell at the deadline, which was not again, man, not again. Um, But I think possibly that's being, you know, the can is at least kicked down the road. So awesome. Did you guys see, when are we we getting belly back? Yeah. When I think I saw that he has been taking BP. It's one of those, you know, it's a, a knee contusion. So he's not immobilized. He's able to do some conditioning. He's obviously, he's been swinging, but they're going to bring it along cautiously enough without losing him for too long. Talkman is a nice little fill in, um, someone to have. And I will say, too, he doesn't have any minor league options. So they sent him to the minors to start the year uh, on a minor league deal. Never did add him to the 40-man. Now, obviously, he's had to be added. When Bellinger gets back, if they want to, you know, to try and send him back down, they'd have to DFA him and hope no one claims him. That's probably unlikely. I'm sure they'd love to have him audition for a bit. 
to be the fourth outfielder once Bellinger does return. Because then you can option a guy like Master Boney, like Edwin Rios, left-handed bats who maybe don't have as much defensive utility, and you'd finally have a reliable fourth outfielder, which the team hasn't had all season. Um, and someone that you could comfortably slot in even to center field where he's been playing. So I think they might be bringing Cody along cautiously, partially just to give Talkman time to show them what he's shown so far, which is decent approach, hits it pretty clean. He's not going to be a star, but I think a fine fourth outfielder. So he might now be kind of a permanent part of the roster and they might be taking their time with Bellinger just to make sure a, when he gets back, he's fully healthy and they don't have to worry about this again. And B Talkman is kind of entrenched and they know what they want to do with master Boney or Rios or please God, at some point, Nick Madrigal, get one of them back to Iowa when Bellinger returns. So picking on I mean, thick Nick again, <clears throat> I mean, this I mean, this is literally a guy that we talked about. We thought he might make the roster. We mm-hmm. like there was a lot of talk about him breaking after camp with the team, and then we end up with Miles, who somehow just still kind of hangs around, and so does Rios. And it's it's pretty clear this guy is a major league fourth outfielder. So if you're looking for a major league fourth outfielder, why is he not staying? Like. I, yeah. I feel like he should have been up before. I think even like the Nelson call-ups were fun, but he's just not there yet. And we kind of all knew that. So why are we not bringing up this 32 year old that can provide value now? It was very surprising to a lot of people. I think that they chose to put master Boney on the opening day roster instead of Talkman. But we're also kind of seeing now why they did that. A, they wanted to carry Luis Torrens. Remember him? He could have been my random cover of the week. None of you would have guessed him. He played this season. <laughs> of course we would have. Danny Torrens? Come on. Luis. Yeah, that's true. We do have a, a reference for him, so he would have been yeah. guessed. But Luis Torrens, they wanted to carry. <laughs> BJ is just aggressively thumbs downing, like we're going to cancel Luis Torrens live on the podcast. I don't know. Actually, we we could use his mother, Mrs. Torrens. As... <laughs> that was a setup. <laughs> Random yeah. cup. Now, DJ, we didn't get your thoughts on old Haas, not old horse, but old Haas. Oh, we hardly knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old news is yeah. what he is now. The yeah. only part I'm disappointed in is not being able to use that nickname. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm oh, sorry. I, I Margie just Margie just did the finger at me. <laughs> Danny isn't here, Mrs. <laughs> <laughs> Nightmares for Margie tonight. Oh yeah, wow. yep, yep. she won't get any sleep. <laughs> uh, I guess yeah. I will say one thing about Hosmer. I think for as bad as he was, I don't think he was bad enough to have been cut at the point that he was, and that's not a popular opinion. Uh, I think a lot of people thought he should have been gone two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Statistically, statistically, he wasn't that poor. Uh, but I'm not glad that he's gone. Or I, I am glad that he's gone. Is yeah. what I mean, I mean he, he was pretty bad, but you're right that he was 
like for instance, he's been better than Edwin Rios has been. Yeah. Um, so and and also David Ross apparently doesn't think Edwin Rios can do anything. Nothing. Right. So he really has no utility on this roster. Um, so in that sense, you are right. But I think mostly what I'm landing on is they started the season trying to keep a lot of powder dry. Let's keep Mervis in the minors. Let's also not add Talkman to the 40 man before we have to, so that we don't have to risk taking him off the 40 man before we'd like to and losing sure. him altogether by kicking that can down the road. Now they've got what feels like a more permanent opening for him. And the roster is sort of becoming more truly and traditionally functional. You know who your starters are, and there are clear roles for each of the backups. It's probably going to be mostly uh, Barnhart as your backup catcher, Talkman as your fourth outfielder, Morel as your roving utility, whatever, and then Mastroboni and Madrigal as, you know, whatever they turn out to be, um, kind of floating, filling in for guys. So you're starting to actually see a roster where before it was a lot of moving parts and they were clearly trying to hold on to a bunch of people and wait <clears> to <throat> see how things played out. Now it's not seeing how things play out time. It's winning time. So I think that's what's going on here, but we'll just have to wait and see. And hopefully Bellinger is back soon because did you guys see tonight uh, Ross batted Mastroboni second? Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Which I don't really care but for, I but I assume I assume David Ross just hates us. I think that's why <laughs> he would irritate do things like I'm, I'm beginning to take it personally, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Well, if he hates us personally, then I mean, not through any fault of you guys, but I've sort of earned that ire. So sorry, <laughs> my bad. Um, but... It's probably true. I'm going to play my I'm going to hit mile second and I'm going to put him in there for about a week just to piss off Matt Trueblood. Right. Are we are we starting to get nervous about never nervous? He's, He's gonna not, hit. He's yeah, gonna... I mean, last night, uh, it's Wednesday night as you're as we're recording this. Last night, Tuesday night, with Tom in attendance, Merv had a homer, three hard hit balls, and drew a walk. I mean, he's he's gonna have an adjustment curve to deal with, but I haven't been discouraged by what i've seen so far it's just you know there was always going to be a lot to learn coming from triple a to the majors with some of his skills yeah and he's like thanks christopher morrell <laughs> what's the matter with you you're not slugging you know you're not opsing 1300 geez yeah. what a you know what a washout this guy is although there's a way to read that but you know it takes some of the i don't think it's the way mervis has has processed that he right. clearly seems to be trying hard to to prove himself right away. Um, but in a way, Morel's kind of taking pressure off him, right? Like, yeah. he, the Cubs don't need a homer every night from Matt Mervis right now. Uh, and he had another tonight with a runner on base, too. Hit an absolute bullet. I think it was like 106 miles an hour off his bat, but it was a line out to center, and that just happens. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of like what we're seeing from him. It's just going to be adjustments. What I was going to say is Ross batted Mastroboni second, but when they talked to him about that before the game, he specifically mentioned kind of wanting to break up the right-handedness at the top of his order uh, in Horner and Swanson. So I think 
when Cody comes back, we could see it go Horner, Bellinger, Swanson, Hap, Suzuki, uh, maybe against righties, you slide Mervis up to sixth and, you know, mix and match there at the bottom. But um, that might be a new a new normal for the lineup when Bellinger returns mm. based on what we saw tonight, which, you know, ostensibly has nothing to do with Bellinger, but it kind of sounded like that was where he was angling. So we'll see for one night. It was a, a more functional lineup, if only slightly than they've had most of the time recently. It's nice that Barnhart got a win too, because if you look at wins yeah. and losses for the catchers, his is really a poor record. Woof. Yeah. We were in danger of, of, really elevating Jan Gomes to some sort of uh Svengali, you know, catcher legend. Um uh, based on those Gas money. Gas money. <laughs> That's right. Sorry. Sorry. His official name on this podcast, Gas Money. Yeah. Um <laughs> wait, did I, I must have missed that. Uh, it's a it's a DJ thing. thing. Not originally ours anyway. But oh, okay. uh Jan has been Anagram. really good. Um, oh yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. I I like a lot of things. We're it's the same song we've been singing for four weeks now. Though there are so many things to like about like individual performances, but it's until the last two nights it wasn't adding up to wins for a really long stretch. So that just has to change now because now it's a it's like an early crunch time here at the end of May. You don't hang on through these next couple of weeks before the schedule softens up again a little bit and it's going to be too late. Yeah. Mastroboni has a lower OPS than Tucker Barnhart right now. Yeah. Which is hard (laughs) to do. So it's the, the Mendoza line is gone. It's now the Barnhart line. Just (laughs) saying statistics here. Do with that as you please. Damn lies. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. It's Ross really he talks up Master Boney's approach, and Master Boney does have like a pesky approach. He gets to a lot of three ball counts, I feel like. And then pitchers go, Yeah, but this guy's not gonna hit the ball hard. So what if I just throw it right down the middle on three and two? And they just keep doing that, and he keeps grounding out. And I don't know why we're supposed to be terribly impressed by that but I don't so know. let's do let's let's do a little exercise who does he remind you of and you don't <laughs> just have to pick white people but i have who, one who barnhart no 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 master boney master boney a uh, young snoop dog i am totally <laughs> breaking <laughs> barriers and stereotypes or melissa etheridge those are the two i think <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> I'm going with Melissa Etheridge. Too. Are you okay? Is that who you were going to say, Todd? Did I steal your thunder a little bit? Yeah, but that's okay. I'm if glad we agree. Another name, Todd. Who would it be? Uh wow. Um, uh, I'm, leaning, I'm thinking Kathy Bates. The actress Kathy Bates. <laughs> yes. Was in, yes. Uh, Misery. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can and see that. she was she was an excellent second baseman in her day. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people Uh, don't know that. Yeah. DJ, I I am ready to hear who you're gonna say. Yeah. But I need you to know that if you say who I think you might say, we're gonna have some speaks. Well, I think I think I think you probably do know where I'm going with this, but I want to preface it with 
Uh, apparently, the dogs aren't going to stop barking. Uh, a bad version of Mike Hunt. Okay. Oh. All right. <clears throat> no, that's fine. That's fine. Like I mean, when Fontenot was like, gosh, why is he still in the lineup? Not like the days where you're like, wow, I'm really glad we have Mike Fontenot. Yeah. There's a facial resemblance to Mike Fontenot too. Not just the pigment of his face, but like an actual facial resemblance to Mike Fontenot that is probably helping with that. Um, but yeah, I, I can see that. I thought you were going to say he's a worse version of Tommy LaStella and I was going to crawl through the screen and fight you because... Tommy no. Lestella does not get denigrated no. that way on this show. <laughs> on this damn show. <laughs> I can assure you that. You know, for a guy that retired eight years ago, he's having a hell of a career. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I still have trouble with Lestella and the poutiness, so uh, I'll, I'll denigrate a little. Oh, Lestella, my... yeah, he left the team. And I'm going to take cool. my ball and go home. Yeah, it was cool. God, I was shocked by that. And impressed. Yeah. That they were just like, oh, it's all right. They, no, they no, damn well better have Tom. because they were wronging him. He was a major league player, and they were like, go be in Iowa because we need to squeeze. Anyway, I can't I can't do this at the <laughs> yeah, moment. But, okay, but he literally <laughs> took his ball, and he went home, and they had to go find him. <laughs> yeah. That's literally what happened. Yeah, and I would think the team would have more than one ball. But right. There was going to be no games. Yeah. yeah. So but that year, the the Ricketts were actually spending on the major league roster. So the Iowa Cubs could not afford to not have that ball. Um, yeah. Anyway, it was Mastroni, a juice ball, too. So it was a juice ball. So Literally. quick, what, what number was Tom and Estella? He wore number two and number 11 for the Cubs, right? Oh, yeah. I don't know, uh, but uh, uh, so I was going to say, well, we, we should do a whole episode on him when it's his turn, but he missed it. So he missed um, it. We're right around, I think, uh, maybe next week or the week after, we will hit the number that matches Tommy Lastella's uh, total number of career catcher interferences. So that would be a good opportunity <laughs> to just set aside an entire episode to talk about Tommy Lastella, the pinball wizard as people call him. So Not how many me, more got other people too? I won't. How many more episodes before we hit Rizzo hit by pitches? Oh, oh, like, oh wow. Like, that's like lifetime or in a season. It's, Just it's as like a three solid years of weekly podcasting before we catch up to Riz. That's um, like, uh, you know, six or eight years after I'm gone. I still love that. I love that he just keeps getting plunked. He still doesn't wear any body armor. Is that uh, right? Or yeah. even a C-flap helmet. It's very cool. Um, Anthony Rizzo, you know, it was a disappointing end to his Chicago tenure, but he's still a badass. He is anyway. Badass. Through no fault of his own. Sure. Yeah, well, mostly. Uh, the So, Cubs stuff. Uh or the current Cubs, the 2023 Cubs, non-Miles Mastroboni edition. The bullpen is still a largely unsorted mess, although, yeah. as we noted, the light show is continuing to put on a show. Hey, and uh, why is why is he not the, the closer? I mean, what, when he bad. gets the ball... <laughs> because he makes Kyle Hendricks look like he throws the ball hard. Oh, well, okay, that's probably true. But well, when he gets the ball, I don't get nervous like every other 
yeah. relief pitcher we have. Yeah, I mean, we probably should. He walks too many dudes, and I don't know. We talked about this two weeks ago, I think. Uh, he's one. He does have a splitter that is really devastating, but he can't throw it all that often because it's just not a strike. He's got to throw other stuff that hitters need to be ready for that does land in the zone, and then the splitter misses bats because they're chasing hope, thinking it's the other stuff. Hmm. Only the other stuff he throws doesn't miss bats. So it's, you know... And he's like got six pitches, which is always hard to maintain for yeah, a reliever. Yeah. Here's the thing. In addition to lighter, Jeremiah Estrada basically only throws his fastball, but his fastball is sick. That's fun. I like I like a reliever who can dominate with just their fastball. And that's basically what Jeremiah Estrada is doing. Uh two, my big thing. Since before the season, I've been saying this. Daniel Palencia, whom they got in the Andrew Chafin trade with Oakland. They shut him down as a starting prospect at AA this year. Put him on the development list that is now an option for teams, as opposed to an injured list. You can just say, you're on the development list now. They sent him to Arizona to streamline his repertoire, moved him to the bullpen, and they just promoted him to Iowa as a reliever this wow. week. Wow. This dude throws 102, has touched 102 and even 103 as a starter with a plus slider. I think, I, I mean, it helps that the Cubs are on like a record pace for fewest saves ever by a baseball team. <laughs> but I still think there's a chance Daniel Palencia leads the 2023 Chicago Cubs in saves. Um, Somebody write that down. Wait, that doesn't make, make me feel good. Yeah. Huh. I really, I honestly believe that within a month, Daniel Palencia could not only be in the major leagues, but be in the discussion as one of the 10 best relief pitchers in baseball. And he has yeah, two pitches? Uh, he's got more than two, but in relief, it'll be mostly, you know, 103 and then a slider. And then, you know, he's got a curve for lefties that's a bigger breaker than the slider. He's got a sinker to keep righties from lunging out over the plate against the, the true heat. But, um, yeah, I... I'm gonna, I'm, a I'm gonna huge Daniel Palencia, the reliever fan. Very excited about this. Bring this, him up. This just got me going down a path that I that I heard today on the Compound podcast. So Matt, you can't answer this because you probably knew already before the podcast. Anyway, um, Tom and Todd, how many pitches do you think Justin Steele throws? Three. Uh, well, I'm gonna go with four. Two. Really? He throws, he throws two pitches, but he throws like four different kinds of four seam fastballs. And he and from what I hear, he doesn't always know which one it's going to be. Wait, what's the other pitch? Slider or curve? Slider. Slider. Yeah. So one of his fastballs is like a um it's like a let up. It's 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 or, or no, they're this they're all top speed or what? Basically. Steele throws a four seamer that has that is barely even fairly called a four seamer at this point. More and more, 
it comes out of his hand as basically a cutter. That's got a ton of cut of glove side movement in on a right-handed batter for by forcing fastball standards. It also sinks much more than a forcing fastball usually does. But normal, you'd think, uh, you know, a fastball that drops more, you're thinking sinker. Well, a sinker will run to the arm side. His cuts to the glove side. It's basically a cutter, but he still calls it a four-seamer. Um, and DJ and the compound guys are right that he manipulates it a bit, but mostly he's just throwing it, and it's taking some different shapes from one pitch to the next. <clears throat> he's also got the slider, which can change a little bit in its shape, but it's basically just a slider that works really well off a fastball that already is a cutter. You know, it's, it starts out, they start out looking like the same pitch. And by the time you can see that, Oh, this one's coming in eight miles an hour slower and dipping more. You're already out of luck uh, because the angles start out the same. They sort of stay in that same pitch tunnel for a, a good long while. Technically, he also has a sinker he's been mis mixing in to buzz lefties inside because obviously that fastball wants to carry to the outside corner against lefties um, and it can stray over the middle of the plate a bit. So he's got a, a version of his fastball where he kind of sinks it in on a lefty. And technically, he's got a curveball that is a considerably slower and a little bigger than his slider, but he throws those combined like a dozen times all year. Basically, it is just fastball, slider, and even the fastball is basically a cutter. And the fact that he is this good with those two pitches is pretty insane. bonkers. Yeah. Insane. Did, did you say he doesn't even know what he's throwing when he throws it? <laughs> so they were saying he can hit spots, but he doesn't always know where it's going to tail off. He's a very... What. We've talked before about the fact that Justin Steele is from Alabama. Um, and everything that entails. Uh, it's just, it's one of those things that like, you know, Kyle Hendricks would never tell you, I know I'm going to hit this spot on the outer edge. I just don't know if it's going to start toward that spot and then fade back to my arm side or whether I'm going to kind of cut it to the glove side. He's, he's got really good feel for the ball. You know, he's got a plan. He knows how to move the seams to change the seam shifted wake to achieve the movement he wants and the situation he wants. Justin Steele is going on vibes out there, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I know well, where I explained... want to throw this. I'm just going to let my body kind of go, and I trust that it's going to get there. Wow, I love it. Right. Yeah, it's like, very old school. It's very cool. Um, it's kind of like a left-handed – I don't want to say. I almost said it's kind of like a left-handed Bob Gibson. That oversells things. I've also said in the past that he's – Sort of like if Clayton Kershaw just didn't have the big curve, it was if it was just his fastball and slider, that oversells it too. But he's really good with just these two pitches, and a lot of it is because they pair really well, and he's just out there competing. So you can't outthink him because he's not thinking at all. He's just <laughs> pitching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of explains his hair. Have you seen his hair? It, no, kind of, no. It's specifically kind of his everywhere. facial hair. That man does not have a facial hair plan. He does <laughs> not. From one start, apparently doesn't have a plan for anything. I say this: this that has leavened my affection for Justin Steele just when I thought it couldn't anymore. I mean, yeah, you man, guys see did... me right now, and you see me once a week, and you know 
I am a man without a facial hair. You never know what you're going to get yeah. with this podcast. <laughs> if I'm baby-faced, if I've got a goatee, if I've got a, a mountain man beard. Two weeks ago, I was at a Twins game, and my sister-in-law turned around and said, hey, Grizzly Adams. And none of that is by, you know, by design of any kind. It's just how long has it been since I set aside the time to shave? That is what I feel like Justin Steele looks like every day. And I adore it. <laughs> uh, it really it's it's made it's just, me much happier to follow justin Steele. it's awesome i mean i i heard that and i feel like i feel like you did tell us that once that he basically only throws two pitches but yeah. then you've also kind of gone on your your matt rants about stroman and how cool it is that he only throws like two pitches to uh one-handed batter but then to the other handed he'll throw four which is crazy also but steel is just like i'm gonna throw two they're just sometimes gonna be different yeah like like one of the two has like four iterations but uh, it's just so cool you never hear about like a two pitch starter often it's at least not for a long period of time yeah well and except that there is another left-handed starter on his own team who is also a two-pitch starter it's that's basically all Drew Smiley throws is his fastball. Yeah, fair. So, uh, fair. Maybe Tyon should only throw two pitches. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know yeah, that well, we have. I think to, you should start with just dive one. into Jamison Tyon tonight. Tyon <laughs> on Tyon. Yeah, that guy. <sighs> all right. One thing I got to mention though, we we need to start uh, including a, a link to dictionary.com because Matt used a used eleven. I was just going to say that, Todd, you you have always been able to read on. I was going to say, Todd, DJ, did you guys have to look up leavened? Because yeah, I, I'm I didn't know dig if it was a good thing or a bad thing until you know, there's just, elaboration. So. I'm going to get one of those little so hotel used to it bells. That I just sometimes just don't hear the word. I think every time Matt uses a word that no one else knows, we just ding the bell and, and yeah. then it's got to be included in the in the. In the notes, the, yeah, yeah. Somebody's gonna. I feel like that, that one. Even Are you talking like the, the the like the bread term? Yeah, I know. I yeah, said that's it. what I was it going rise, for. Yeah. My I affection it was for Justin Steele rose like bread. It was leavened. I don't know. All okay. right. Okay. Anyway, so it was made with yeast. <laughs> basically, I mean... basically, yeah. <sighs> See, anyway. I would have just gone with got better. So yeah. I don't know that... <laughs> If we're gonna grow this podcast, we gotta kind of dumb it down a little bit. We can do. I'm not sure a, that's true. I don't know that day. we should go that way. It's it, it is pretty dumb right now. So, <laughs> but that's my fault. We could do a quick Matt Word of the Day segment every episode too. Yes, yes, we should. I have a I've got a Word of the Day app on my phone that I would love to recommend to anyone who's interested. So you guys just let me know. Well, you guys remember um, the last app that that uh, that Matt recommended for us when we were all together last summer. I still have it. I the I'm one still using it. Every I finally had to get rid of mine. What was the that, DJ? Like the one that just tells you like you're probably gonna die tomorrow. Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was an interesting. Interesting apps right now. Here we go. Yeah. Death, death destroys a man. The idea of death saves him by E.N. Forster. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Charlotte's e. Web. Ian. Yeah. Ian. Ian. Not Ian. Not Ian. Not Ian. The initials. He would not have heard will. You are out of the will. That's a version of hell. Is everyone's name Ian? 
Matt was just yeah. playing the long game and eventually it just turned into only EN characters. Yeah, you're right. Uh, man, okay. if I'd only thought of that. But yeah, that's mm. another great app. I've got lots of apps I can share with folks. <laughs> Although we are out of time for uh, me to recommend more apps for tonight. What we can do is run quickly through our closing segments. Oh, uh, yes. Dad, do you have a tree of the week for us? I do, yes. Another week. another favorite. This is a, a, a favorite of mine. Um, unlike most of my favorites, it's not uh, native to our area, but uh, it's an awesome, awesome tree. It's a blood good Japanese maple. Um, we planted one when Emerson was born, uh, right out in our front yard, and it is far and away the most beautiful tree in the neighborhood. Um, it's uh, 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 Acer uh, Platin uh, <laughs> Palmatum, sorry, Acer Palmatum, is uh, a red leaf all year long, uh, comes out in the spring kind of a, kind of a dull uh, maroon, I should say, and then it gets more, uh, more radiant and more... Uh, uh, I don't know, a deeper um, rune as the season goes along. It gets to be about 15 or maybe up to 20 feet, depending on where you are in, in the world, uh, tall and about that wide, usually kind of a low brain or low, uh, uh, low crotch. So it's real low to the ground. It almost looks like a multi-stem tree, um, but it's just, it's w absolutely one of my favorite trees. And, uh, and you'll hear me say over and over again, oh, this is a favorite. This is a favorite. There's going to be about 30 of those. So get used to that favorite word. Okay. Um, it's, uh, uh, it, it has some uh, peculiarities that you want to uh, address depending on where you're located. In, in I'm in the upper part or northeast Wisconsin. And uh, around here, it might be a little tender if it got a lot of, winter wisconsin winds um so it, it would probably do some uh, the winds would do some burning of it or it might even uh have some dieback and some branches i don't have that problem here we planted it in a good spot it's protected by our house um uh, from both the north and west so and and it's got some tree cover uh so it gets um gets some gets a good amount of sun but it also is protected from too much sun so uh, make sure you select well. And another thing that I just want to bring up real quick is that you could you could go online and buy this thing, and um, you can find a lot of trees online, you know, a lot of plants online, and that's a good thing to do. I do it. Um, but when you want to find something like this, and it's going to be a specimen, what we call a specimen plant in the landscape, go find a good one. Go to a good garden center and pick one that you like the look of. Because that's a that's going to be a good start. That's what I did with this one. It was a nice small tree when we planted it when Emerson was a baby, and we put him right in front of it for it to take a picture and snapped a picture, and then he fell over on his face. <laughs> um, but uh, pick one that you like the look of because then it's going to be that that's going to uh, it's going to be a nice looking tree as it grows. And this one is a gorgeous tree as it's grown. Uh, and you don't you don't necessarily have to do so much pruning that way. So, like I said, you're buying perennials, you're buying uh, uh, wildflowers or or prairie plants or whatever it is. Buy those online and get them. They come shipped in a box or whatever. But if you're looking for a specimen plant, go to a garden center and buy a good one. So there you go, blood good Japanese maple. 
Tuesday's question, raising DJ. his hand. Yeah. I got a tree question. Okay. So when you when you are going to buy a tree online, I've noticed that there are sort of two different options. So mm -hmm. you can buy like a three foot tree and the roots will be kind of balled up in a block of soil and saran wraps. Yep. Or you can buy a bare root version. Yes. Um, so what I, I would you buy and why would you buy one or the other? I would buy, uh, back when I was young and even before that, um, you used to be able to go to uh, garden centers and early in the, in the spring. And when I say early, it's like March, April, and maybe into May, at least in the upper Midwest. Then you could buy bare root plants and uh, like raspberries and blueberries, uh, uh, apple trees, uh, even shade and ornamental trees. You could buy them completely bare root, so there was no soil on this on these roots at all. Um, and it, it's a great thing to do at that time of year um, in the nursery when we when we get to the point where we'd hit maybe mid May or depending on the weather, maybe a little bit later than that okay, all the bare root plants that we've been trying to sell because you can buy them a little cheaper that way. Uh, now, if we have any left, we need to get those into the ground or we need to get them into a pot because no one's purchased them yet. So bare, buying something bare root has, in my mind, has a, a, a narrow window of time that it has to be, when, when you should be planting them. And that's usually early spring. Uh, and then the other thing, you know, in, when you're buying any plant online, most of the time it's going to come with a with a soil uh, soil ball around the around the roots, and then you yeah. can buy and plant any time of year. I assume though that there's also a cost factor. Like, isn't it expensive to have them flown all the way in from Beirut? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> See, all right. I, I appreciate bad dad jokes, being a bad dad and all. Anyway, Todd, have you, Todd, have you used that joke before? <laughs> I have not, but I will now. Okay. <laughs> I've added to the world today. Uh, we're going to take actually one more quick break, and then we're going to wrap with our final, final segments. Uh, final, final. Everyone used these few moments to shop online, but probably wait, hire a professional uh, tree scout and go find yourself a blood good Japanese maple. Hey, that's that's a gig I want right there. You know, my tree out front smells like dog urine. Why? <laughs> Dogs. All the same. All right. We're back and we're going to wrap with our final three weekly segments leading off with dj who's got an accounting tip for us all right so one thing i have been noticing lately with all of the extended taxpayers that struggle to get their information in timely and often have kind of messy uh, books or accounting work is that they don't understand the importance of reconciling the bank account monthly uh People are maybe wondering what that means, but what you should do every month is connect your bank account to your, let's say, QuickBooks Online. 
uh, and say, okay, these are all the deposits. These are all of the withdrawals. I should tie them to all the activity in my QuickBooks and make sure I have all the income, all the expenses recorded. And also maybe expenses are showing up on my bank account that aren't in the books that aren't legitimate or crap. I need to account for those. Uh, account for those. Um, you should really do that at a bare minimum monthly. It doesn't take that long. It's super important. And if you don't do it all year, your profit and loss statement is probably nowhere near accurate and probably not helpful to you or your accountant or your business or strategic planning or anything at all. So really there's no point in keeping financials if you're not going to reconcile your books. So Boy. that's what I have. Thank you for telling us that and me that I'm terrible. I don't even check my credit card expenses. I just pay the bill. Yeah. Which... Yeah. I mean, that's a little different because like, you know, you, you probably aren't uh, looking at your credit card statement saying, what's my taxable income for this month? Uh, Cause you're not a business owner. Uh, you're already, you're already picking up your income on your tax return and your expenses are personal. So it's probably not all that important what they're categorized, but <clears throat> if you're a business owner, you got to be doing this stuff. You you gotta. Boy, gotta Tom, do you remember leader. back in the day when we had checking accounts and you'd have to balance your checkbook all the time? Yeah, and you'd be like twenty three cents off, and you just couldn't let it go. Yeah, yeah. like what the where yeah, did this gotta find that money? Yeah, yeah. you no. just close no, it, open a new yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll be going to a different <laughs> bank now. Thank you. Yeah, that was back when a anybody had any free time in their lives. And wow. B, it wasn't quite so depressing to balance your checkbook. I balance my checkbook now and I'm like, oh, I'm not doing this again for a while. It's, <laughs> it's only discouraging. Yeah. I'm like, this well, cash flow could not be right. Uh, anyway, that's a good tip, though. Very <laughs> important. And even for those of us, like, like you said, Tom, it's a good tip from a personal finances perspective, too. Uh, even if it's probably more important for business folks. Tom, uh, you have a fun fact, something to share with us tonight? Yeah, I mentioned this before. Um, you know, Sabre sends out um, daily trivia. And daily, yikes. So funny because they're impossible, at least <laughs> the likes of me. Sabre has been good, I guess, for me, because it's really knocked me down a peg or two. I thought I was like, oh, Mr. Baseball History. I'm not. I don't know anything. So anyway, I just want to read a question that just came by yesterday. So which Oklahoma native infielder was named 1949 most valuable player of the AAA International League when he had <laughs> led the league in batting with a 337 batting average? Latroy Hawkins. Latroy Hawkins. That's what I said. No, <laughs> it's not. Um, and then they give you a hint a later. He Is preserved it? Carl Erskine's first no-hitter against the Cubs in the 1952 season with two brilliant fielding plays at third base. And the answer, of course, is Bobby Morgan, who's everybody's favorite old-time <laughs> baseball player. Holy uh, crap. And, and then I got one the other day um, just because I know this trick that they do. And where is this? Oh yeah. Which former Oakland A's coach sat on the board of directors of the Baltimore Orioles? And the answer is Joe DiMaggio. Um, th that's used yeah. a lot that he was briefly a batting coach for the Oakland A's. Interesting Oakland A's and Baltimore Orioles, neither team existed 
when DiMaggio was a player. Right. I happen to know that trick. So for a Sabre trivia, I'm like two for uh, 50 or so. Mm. Anyway, they, well, they do not mess around. The, Bobby uh, Morgan. So you'd be. So how does Chat GPT so do obvious. on those tests? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. That. I'm sure it could answer it, but I'd be more interested in how Chat GPT would do at writing those questions. So <laughs> that, that could get really hairy. Did you Did you see the so Chat GPT like AI took the the bar exam? and passed it it took the nursing exam and passed it it took the cpa exam and it got a 35 percent overall and wasn't close to passing on any of the four parts is that right yeah. wow. Wow. interesting I, yeah i, would I think, don't think that i don't think that says good things about the profession it does not, not it's at interesting what you people do doesn't make sense yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not logical. That is so interesting. I mean, it just failed miserably on that. Right. I. But I you mean, guys started that whole thing. What was it? What were you saying? Chet GPA or something like that? Uh, GPT. Uh, whatever it is. There are points when you guys are talking and you'll be throwing stuff around. And I sit here and go, hey, am I having a stroke? Because I don't know. What's going <laughs> am I having a stroke? <laughs> You just need to leaven yourself up a little bit there. Um, <laughs> I just I just wait for a few minutes for the words to come back to English. Just start frantically uh, piecing things together. That's actually how chat GPT works. So you're in a meta sort of way. You were right on top of it. Yeah, I, uh, I don't feel better. My love for this podcast has leavened over time. <laughs> I've been using that word for 20 minutes now. There are actually four people of whom that's true, but it's the four of us. So. <laughs> All right. I have a random cub. Oh, Here we go. Here oh, we baby. go. This and is what everybody had, waits to hear. He had just one season in a Cubs uniform, but I still think you guys can get it. Okay. One season was 2017. He was a right-handed reliever for that squad. Will you kill us with these relief pitchers? Yeah, no kidding. He appeared in 49 games for them. He went 3-4 and four with a 3.98 ERA. He had two saves. 43 innings pitched. He had 50 strikeouts, only mm. 12 walks, and three of those were intentional. Uh, yeah. He had previously pitched for three other teams. This was his last season in the majors. You've basically described every relief pitcher in baseball, but every single one. So uh, this isn't the guy that Joe would put out there all the time. Jesse. Jesse Chavez. Tattoo guy. Yeah. No, not Jesse Chavez. That's a pretty good guess. Really? I think he was 2018 that he showed up. Mm, Might've even been 2019, but so 2017 was, I mean, that was, it was, you know, yeah, that was in the heat of the Cub, the heights of their yeah. heights. So he signed you say as a he free a agent that in December of 2016. Why oh, did he leave Lord. after one year? They certainly didn't just sign him for one year, did they? He retired. Who? In fact, that April, April of 2017, he turned 42 years old. Oh. What? 42-year-old reliever. Do we have Rodney or something? No? 
Fernando Rodney is a good guess. That was 2015 that he was a Cub. But... They said a 42-year-old free agent. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long was the contract? One year. Oh, oh, okay. So, okay. So he fulfilled his obligation and then quit. He was, was solid he like... for a division-winning team, and then that was his swan song. Wow. Wow. He's white? No. <laughs> no. Uh... Um. So righty. Do you guys want the three teams that he pitched for before joining the Cubs? Yeah. Sure. Like that'll help. Yeah. Like that'll help. In order the Orioles, Rangers, and Red Sox. So it wasn't Givens. Between the years of 2009 and 2016. Wait, Orioles who? Rangers and Red Sox. Hmm. Was a former all-star. Was a former closer. Wow. Wait, he was a Red Sox. Mm-hmm. Oh. Is the Red Sox closer? Um, no. He he's yeah. like um He was Tom. No, he's like ja- he's like Japanese. That's right. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. That uh... that little bit of information gave it away. Yeah. It's um Never think of this guy's name. It's not even close. I know. I, I know where we're. Going. I know where we're going with this. I'll get the first name. I know yeah, you will. You'll think this. about it, and it'll come to you. Oh, maybe. He recorded he, the final he... out of the Red Sox 2013 World Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On one yeah, of his it's, devastating uh, splitters. Starts with an H. No. Oh, that throws me off. But is it like? Starts with an S. I I will never remember the name. Ingo. Ingo. <laughs> Ingo. This is gonna get really dangerous if you what guys. Sounds like a... to... No, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be that guy. No, I know. I'm just like yeah, a character God. on Gunsmoke in the '70s. Uh, <laughs> sure. Gunsmoke wasn't on the '70s, Todd. What are you doing? Oh, Hakatachi here. Akatashi or something. Oh uh, no, it's 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 a K. Yeah, that's uh, right. Like First Kohei. name starts with K. Kohei. Kohei Hill. No, Kohei. Uh... <laughs> Ko... uh, Koji. Koji. Uahara. Koji Uahara. Oh. oh yeah, there yeah. you go. Wow, that was a Todd DJ double decker there, man. Hey, you were yeah. the one who first. Said it was a Japanese guy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yep. Dang, right. how did man? I guess I forgot he was that much of a part of the pen. For the record, though, I just double checked this because I was pretty sure because uh, I've been reading a book about the hundred greatest TV shows ever. Gunsmoke ran well into the seventies. Oh, okay, it started well, in fifty-five, ran for twenty seasons. So, well, uh, wow, not. Not to take us off topic before we even finish the topic, but yeah, Koji Uehara was uh, one of never the never got the last name never in that 2017 bullpen, dominated of course by Wade Davis, who I, I thought oh yeah just heard one year 2017 right-handed reliever that I might get you going off on the wrong path that way, but but yeah. you're wrong, you're wrong actually because he didn't retire. No. 
He didn't. He no? pitched in Japan for two more years. Oh, wow. Ah. That did not come up for me on reference. Hmm. Uh, Yomi, you're oh, baseball you're... reference. You have to click like, um, uh, the, ball leagues or something. separate page as opposed to just show minors. Yeah. I mean, I will say the night, the night, the 2019 season, he only pitched nine innings, but in 2018, he pitched 34. Well, there you go. So we he did use them. He pitched into really his mid 40s, no matter how you prefer to define that. 44. Yeah. Yeah. Much more successful than the other uh Japanese reliever that the Cubs tried to make a thing earlier in the Theo Epstein regime. Uh, you remember Kyuji Fujikawa? Wow, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, that one didn't work. Did he? I was not gonna team? ever use him as a random Cub of the Week because <clears throat> I don't think Matt, it would have been real gettable. Matt, can I ask you something about Japanese baseball? Yeah. You might not know the answer, but I'm looking at this guy's baseball reference, and he pitched for the Yomiuri Giants, I think, right? From yep. 99 to 08. Then he came over here, and then when he went back to Japan, he pitched for the same team over there. Didn't pitch for any other Japanese team. Is that pretty common, or do they bounce around like guys do here? That's pretty cool. Um, I think they tend to stay with a team. It's more of uh, it, and now I don't know the exact mechanisms of Japanese free agency other than that players do achieve free agency after a set number of years the same way you do in the majors. Um, but it's, you know, you have to accrue a certain amount of service time, then you become a free agent. I think like in sort of the early days of free agency or even before free agency in MLB, players tend to change teams when teams are no longer that interested in having that player as opposed to it often happening because the player wants to move on from the team. Mm. Um, or it can just be, you know, there can be a different impetus like uh, Kosuke left one team. I can't remember which one was which at the moment left one team came to the States. When he went back to Japan, it was to a new different team. Um, but for the most part, if you're playing well, they're going to accommodate you. You know, you're going to want to stay there and they're going to want you to stay and guys will play their whole career for one team more often, not, not radically so, but more often than they do, uh, in MLB. So and are these, are these teams spread out like distance wise, or are they all in a very central location? Like Japan's would players not. would would players pick a team because it's in a certain part of Japan? Um, that part I don't know super well. I will say I think Tokyo has yeah, but they have like four teams. Four teams, yeah. yeah. So okay, it's pretty. You know, Japan itself is not all that spread out. It's one right. time zone. So you know, I I don't think a lot of choices are made on that basis, but could be wrong. Certainly, there are. Um, even within NPB's major leagues, there's kind of a difference in vibe that's similar to from the Yankees all the way down to the A's, even though the league is smaller, um, of facilities and <clears throat> size of fan base and history of success and stuff. So there's that kind of 
dynamic at least. Aren't there two teams with the same name? If there are, I don't know who they are, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Um, now name I, the three teams that Fukudome played for in the majors. Oh, that's easy. The Cubs, oh. the White Sox, and the Cleveland then Indians. See, I forgot about the Indians. I didn't know that. I've forgotten nothing about Kosuke Fukudome's career. <laughs> nothing. Matt, name a player that played for the Cubs, Cardinals, and White Sox, and only those teams. Ooh, that's tough. I don't know. Do you have we someone in mind? Save some of this for the future podcasts, boys. We got so much material to Todd. Don <laughs> Kessinger. Yeah. Oh, okay. wow. You're well, right. Um, Boy, you right. for the Cardinals. That's, that now, hurts. name one that only played for the Rockies, Cardinals, and Cubs. Mm. Do uh, you we're, just, we're just pulling Rockies. stuff up on base, baseball reference Rockies. now, aren't we? I'm, I'm wrong, actually. He also played for the Astros for a year, apparently, and the Angels for seven <laughs> Did you say uh, the Angels Kim for seven on. games or the Angels for seven games, years? Games, they're... games, okay. It was it was the Astros for one year between the Rockies and the Cubs. Uh, I don't know that either. Is yeah. his first name Latroy? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Dexter Fowler. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Son of yeah. a gun. That's supposed to be a joke question, and you got yeah. it. It was. Hey, then, name the guy yeah. that played for all the teams in the major leagues. <laughs> well, the closest is Octavia Dotel, right? <laughs> No, that would be a Morgan, wouldn't it? Uh, who was the Morgan who pit, pitch, played for all those teams? Oh, Mike Morgan. Yeah. Mike Morgan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he right. played for a bunch. I'm putting a kibosh on further baseball talk, though. Unless good, you guys want good, to talk cause... about what you think is going to happen in the series finale of Barry, I'm ready to do housekeeping and wrap Oh, up we can't. Be, we can't do that because I've, I'm only about halfway through the first season. Okay. I want, to, I want to take exception to how Matt answered that question. It's not Octavio Dotel. It is our boy, Edwin Jackson. Oh, yeah. And we yeah. all should have known that. The mm. uh, the man who <clears throat> walked backwards so that Jameson Tyone could flop and and roll all over the ground backward. Um, anyway, this is, this is not a rebuild. I'm having your a stroke again. Favorite Cubs slash trees slash accounting slash utter nonsense podcast uh, no no it's 2015 surely you've already done hopefully so, but you can find this podcast on apple podcasts on spotify you can subscribe to the show and rate it and review it there uh reach out and let us know what we're doing well and what we're doing poorly and if we're gonna add a link to dictionary.com a tweet we're on twitter at not a rebuild uh and I can't think of anything else that really needs to be said. This is coming unglued faster with each passing moment. <laughs> Everyone take care. And hopefully this red hot win streak continues all the way through our next recording. On our way to three.